Hey, what's up, guys? Sleepy J, Chris Dell back here. We're going to go ahead. We're going to cover our wide receivers for a fantasy football podcast. Um, Chris, we went through, we did quarterbacks, we did running backs. I felt like we did a pretty good job doing that. Um, you know, we covered like the top 32 quarterbacks, top 50 running backs. And I don't know how deep we'll get with our wide receivers here, but I'm guessing you know, we're at least going to go through like wide receiver one, two on each team, maybe even getting to like wide receiver three on each team. So uh, we'll go ahead. We'll give you guys as much stuff as we possibly can here for this podcast. Um, if you guys are new and you haven't heard about the betting predators, it's your first time ever watching us or listening to maybe a podcast of ours. Um, we pretty much do a lot of fantasy stuff, a lot of player prop stuff. Um, this year we're going ahead and we're doing like sides and totals with uh, Steve reader. Um, and, and we're, pretty much getting ready to go here for NFL football season. If you guys are looking for um, winning content over the last two years, I think what, Chris, we were up like 33 units in the NFL. Um, you guys can, you know, join in and, and make some money. Uh, join our discord channel as well. You guys can go ahead and use code NFL 50 uh, at the betting predators.com. Pick up all our season NFL stuff. Chris, I don't know if you have anything you want to add on to that. See, you're the better promo guy. I'm more of the host. I don't, I don't like doing that promo stuff, but if you've got anything else you want to add on there, go ahead. No, the link's right there. It's on our website, too. Um, I, I will say, uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a rating and review if you can. It helps us a lot in our uh, overall traction trying to grow this thing. And uh, make sure to follow all of our guys on Twitter. You can see uh, we got a lot of recent articles we put up on the site for free over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Dalton's been doing great baseball content every single day for MLB. And make sure to click the link at the top of the website that says newsletter. And we have a sub stack with about uh, 10,000 email subscribers. And we do a lot of betting content on there. We send out a free weekly newsletter. But it's also, it's also like a fun, uh, fun thing that we do. We put a lot of trending content, uh, you know, fun fun casual sports fan stuff combined with sports betting stuff. So it's more of an all encompassing type of sports content newsletter that we partnered up with another website called StadiumTalk.com for. So shout out to our guy, Eric running the Substack newsletter for us. Uh, make sure you're subscribed for the season because every week that newsletter will basically have a roundup of all the content we're putting out in one place, podcasts, articles, uh, premium picks, free picks and everything in between. Uh, but that's pretty much it, man. I, uh, my last fantasy update was last night when we were talking about running backs. I haven't seen too much news today from camp. Uh, today is the final day. Uh, well, yesterday was final day of Steelers camp, and camps are starting to wind down, actually. We got our 53-man cutdown day coming up in about a week, in a week and a half. So we'll see what changes we make. Sleepy, you're two for two in forcing me to make ranking updates live on the show we'll see if we'll go three for three uh today with the wide receivers man all right um the only news i saw today chris that was kind of like i get, i don't even want to say it's breaking news because i don't even really think it's news but it does involve a wide receiver uh some people were talking about mims on detroit well i think they got rid of him they, i'm pretty sure they let him go today so that was really the only thing i saw that involved um you know wide receivers today so what we're going to do, we're going to go, we're going to start out. I like to go through and, and follow Chris's rankings because he goes through and he ranks, I don't know how many wide receivers you got here, Chris. I'm guessing it's probably close to 150. And this is stuff that you work on each and every day. Like, you know, I go through here and it's, you can see the changes that he's making based on, you know, the information that's coming in. So if you're looking to go ahead and do your draft, you know, this week, 
I would actually look at Chris's stuff like every day. And if there are guys you're targeting, see if he has them moved up, moved down. And if you do see some movement, like you can reach out to Chris at any time on Twitter. You can reach out to me or whatever. And we could tell you guys, you know, maybe what we're seeing, what we're thinking. So we're going to start out with the number one wide receiver. And I don't think that's any uh, mystery here, Chris. It's Justin Jefferson. Everybody seems to be taking him one. I've seen a couple of people jump out and, and take your boy Jamar Chase. Before we go any further, talking about Bengals wide receivers, Chris, I noticed that you had a jersey on today. If anybody out there can guess the player of the jersey that Chris has, feel free to message him and he'll give you guys a, a, a random prize. I didn't know who it was. Honestly, I didn't know. I, I remember the player after you told me. I remember the player, but um, we, so, it, anyway. we, need, we need more number 80s back in the wide receiver position. I feel like that's a number that's like going extinct right now. Yeah. Um, my favorite receiver, number 80, was um, probably Donald Driver. Oh, that's a classic right there. I like yeah. that. Yeah. All right, um, so we got Justin Jefferson. We have Jamar Chase. Uh, next one's Tyree Kill. I have no problem with that. Here's the one that, that I completely disagree with, and he's your number four wide receiver, and that's Cooper Cup. I don't want to draft a guy that high, and I get it. Like I know what this dude did. He had an amazing season the year that he played a full season. But when there's a quarterback issue, that always raises a red flag. When there's a wide receiver issue, that always raises a red flag. And when you put those red flags together, it makes me not want to touch that guy. I know the capability that he has, but I feel like he's being drafted too high. I'm not taking any shares of him. If he falls down, if it, let's just say I'm at the end of uh, you know at the end of the first round, and there's Cooper Cup, I'm not taking him. Like I don't want anything to do with him. I like your number five guy more. I'm on St. Brown. I would take him before I took Cooper Cup, just based on the fact that. My guy can stay healthy. My quarterback doesn't have, um, you know, any type of an issue. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with Cooper Cup. I don't want anything to do with him. And uh, I would rather let everybody else take a guy like that who remembers what he once did. Not saying he can't get back there, but I just, I, I honestly can't take Cooper Cup. Um, I don't know where I would feel comfortable taking him. Maybe somewhere down in the teens or something like that, but I certainly wouldn't take him in the top 10. So. That's the only real disagree I have in your in your tier one. Well, you're you're already three for three and getting me to change my ranking, Sleepy, because I forgot to take Denzel Mims out. I had him 142 overall in wide receivers, so I ranked 175 receivers. Why? Because I'm just pretty pretty much insane at this point when it comes to my rankings. I'm so OCD. I feel like any relevant player who's even on a depth chart has to be listed here, and I broke it down by tiers. Uh, you know, when it when it comes to the tiers, I think once you get past like tier six, once you get up to about wide receiver in the 90s, uh, it, it's pretty much a fall off tier after that. Where you start from Hunter Renfro at 96 all the way down to, you know, Marquise Goodwin at 174. Right. So we're not going to get too much into the weeds on that stuff today. But yeah, uh, you know, I've been slightly moving up Amon Ross St. Brown, and I just moved him one spot ahead of Cooper Cup, and I'm with you on that because, uh, look, Cooper Cup has the potential to finish 
the uh, as the lead leader, lead league uh, league leader, excuse me, in targets this year, as well as receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, because he's done it before. He's proven that to us before. But I agree with you. There are lingering concerns about the quarterback health. There are lingering concerns about uh, the overall direction of this team. And if they're all of a sudden co- go out to a bad start, and you know, it's not like they're going to bench starters in week ten. But you get to week 15, week week 16, it's the fantasy playoffs, and the Rams are completely out of contention, then yes, absolutely, they could wind up playing, pulling Cooper Cup out of these games and saving him for the future. So even if Cup is healthy, that's another threat to add into him. So I, I feel like I, I have to keep Cup in the tier one, but I will move Amon Ross St. Brown over Cup uh, and move Cup down to wide receiver five overall. Um I don't think that you can really uh, really fault anybody for who they're going to take as the first receiver between Jefferson, Chase, Tyreek, and I'll even throw St. Brown into the mix there. I, I think St. Brown uh, is almost like the next Cooper Cup in terms of how he profiles as a slot receiver who can also earn targets at a high rate. He's in a fast-paced offense, playing in a dome on a fast track. That's another benefit there too, so – uh, I, I think throughout this process, I've moved the Monroe St. Brown. I had him around wide receiver nine or 10, and now he's all the way up to number four for me. And when you talk about the overall ADP uh, in these drafts, looking at fantasy pros, Amon Ross St. Brown's going on as the ninth wide receiver off the board. So that's a huge value. Yeah, it's only five spots, but when we're talking about top 10, wide receiver nine being drafted, and wide receiver four in my my rankings, I, I think you want to try to be as aggressive as possible going after Amon Ross St. Brown uh, in, in your drafts, whether it's the end of the first round or a second round pick. I think when you talk about Cup and you talk about Brown, I think there's two things here that you have to look at. And you already said the first thing. We don't know what the Rams are going to do at the end of the season. I remember doing a podcast, and I don't know if it was with you, Chris, or if it was with Steve and Uncle Dave. And I said this probably going around like week, like, I don't know, maybe it was like 11, 12, 13. I said, I guarantee you that Matt Stafford does not finish the season. And he wasn't necessarily hurt, hurt. He was, he certainly could have played. And I, I really worried about the direction, the motivation of that team. This team's not projected to make the playoffs this year. So I think that when you're drafting these, any, really any player, ask yourself, is there a chance that they don't play in the later weeks? And we may see that with a guy like Cooper Cup or a Matt Stafford. And it's like, I get it. Like, these guys are out there playing every day. But if there's a red flag, you have to consider those red flags. I, I don't see a red flag with Amon Ross St. Brown or Jared Goff. Like, I think that team has a very good chance to win the division, maybe make the playoffs at least a wild card. And I expect those guys to be playing at the end of the year. Cooper Cup, I can't say that. So I would actually have Cooper Cup uh, further down into, like, your Tier 2 area. Now, your Tier 2 area – uh, I like your first couple of picks here with C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, but I do have to ask you a little bit about Adams. It seemed like he got dinged up a little bit in practice. Any concerns there, or are you kind of just waiting to, you know, get some, like, final verification on where he's at before you finally settle where he's going to end up being? Yeah, I mean, we've still got it more than two weeks to go until the first weekend of football kicks off, so I'm not going to do anything with Devontae Adams right now. I'm in more. I'm right in line with the market, ECR, other expert rankers, as well as ADP, where fantasy managers like us are drafting these guys. I'm in line with both of those on five of the first seven, uh, outside of like again five spots higher in Amon Ross St. Brown, one spot lower now on Cooper Cup. 
but I'll, I'm right in line with the market on Lamb, A.J. Brown, and Devontae. And the way Jimmy Garoppolo's made his bread and butter is on these short, intermediate throws. He's good on those slant passes, and that's where Devontae Adams, as you know, Sleepy, as a Packers fan, likes to eat. So I actually think that Garoppolo is a really good fit for Devontae. I don't anticipate too much of a drop-off uh, for Devontae going from Derek Carr uh, to Jimmy Garoppolo there. Now, if Jimmy Garoppolo's health doesn't stand up, That that's a possible red flag for Devontae Adams. But I, I think that's kind of baked in, and that's why I have him number eight overall. When you look at Devontae Adams' ADP, again, he's going off the board as the eighth receiver. I think that's right. And in a full PPR format, uh, I like him a little more uh, because he can rack up more catches and not necessarily more big plays. Uh, so that that's my not overreacting to anything on Devontae until there's something to actually worth reacting to. I think for me, one of the guys that I actually like here, Chris, is your guy next in line who you have behind Devontae is Stephon Diggs. We know that McKenzie's not there. He's made it very clear that he wants the football. He he has no problem complaining when he doesn't get, I don't want to say the necessary touches, but when it, when the game matters most, he's asking, why am I not getting the football? So I, I, I kind of upgraded him a little bit. And I, and I have moved Adams back for one reason and like that's my guy right i mean he was a packer loved watching him play but it is jimmy g and he does have i guess right now we could say a little bit of a you know a little bit of a, a health tag on him so i would actually put stefan diggs in front of adams but i'm, I'm kind of growing a little bit more on 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 digs more and more um i don't know if i would put him in in tier one but i certainly would have him you know, in front of Adams, that's where I would have him. Now, your next couple guys here, Garrett Wilson. Why don't we just stick with Garrett Wilson? What do you expect from him? Because everybody, like, is falling in love with what he did last year and the fact that now he has Rodgers. The one thing we know about Rodgers, if he has a guy that can go out there and do what Aaron Rodgers needs, needs him to do, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league. A lot of people are thinking that. I'm not sure if it'll work in year one. But he did this with Devonta Adams, turned him in one of the best receivers. Did the same thing with Jordy Nelson, turned him in one of the best receivers. So there, there's probably no, no doubt in my mind he could do that with Garrett Wilson, even at the age of 40. Rodgers is going to give him, I think, the targets. I think I would be surprised if you didn't see Garrett Wilson getting double-digit targets all the way throughout the entire year. Yeah. I'm just afraid to draft him because I don't know if it's going to work this year. Next year, I would – probably be all in on, on Garrett Wilson, but this year I just, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Um, I hear you on that. I'm right in line with the market with him as well. Uh, technically I'm a few spots lower on Stefan Diggs uh, than the market, but I, I just view all these guys very similarly. Uh, Lamb, Brown, Adams, Diggs, Wilson, Metcalf, Olave, and then to a le- maybe a little lesser extent, T Higgins, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. That's where I cut it off. Wide receiver six to wide receiver 15. Uh, Metcalf, I am four spots higher on than the market because I do believe that he could be in line for a true breakout season to where he's actually going to take a significant leap forward. Now that they added Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that benefits Metcalf because you can't put so much attention on him on the outside for opposing secondaries where now they have three weapons and not just two with Metcalf, Lockett, and Smith and Jigba. So that's one benefit to me for Metcalf there. And in, in, adi- in addition to how they opened up the offense last year with, G- with uh, Geno Smith, benefited DK Metcalf uh, quite a bit overall. So that's why I'm a little bullish on, on DK. 
heading into next season. But yeah, I mean, o- overall, when when you look at this tier here, I have Lamb there at the top because I really do think that the you know without Amari Cooper there last year, we saw the increase in target share for CD Lamb. They added Brandon Cook, so again, these are these are weapons that are added to an offense that's going to help alleviate the attention that a guy like CD Lamb's going to get. I also like the fact that Dalton Schultz is gone in Dallas. That's going to free up a lot of targets because he kind of operated in similar areas of the field that CD Lamb did. And I think CD Lamb's going to dominate those snaps or those routes and those targets there. Whereas Brandon Cooks is going to be a great guy on the outside, uh, opposite of Gallup. So now you have two outside threats with Cooks and Gallup. Maybe they split up some of that work and potential big plays. But in terms of the short slot intermediate areas, those uh, layup targets, as we like to call them in Covenant Fantasy, CeeDee Lamb's going to get almost all of them in Dallas. And, and that's why if I had to move anybody into Tier 1 right next to Cup, it would be CeeDee Lamb in this group. All right. Um, I, it's easier for me to pick out the issues than it is to just say I agree with everything. I have no problem with the Lave Higgins, Waddle, Devonta Smith. But the DK Metcalf is the one that I would probably disagree most with. I think you have him way too high. And the reason being is that down in your tier three, you have Tyler Lockett and you have Jackson Smith there. So how, how can all three of these guys eat that much when they have a, a, a realistic running back and they have a realistic yeah. tight end? So I think one of these guys, like you're either going to look like a genius and fail with one of these guys and look really bad, or it's going to be vice versa. I just think there's too many mouths to feed there to have DK that high. I would consider moving him down and at least you might feel right putting three of your wide receivers all in your tier three. That's just kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I would feel much more comfortable with somebody like a Calvin Ridley in there. Maybe even now with, you know, the, the word coming out of Tennessee camp with Burks being hurt, maybe even swapping him out for like a DeAndre Hopkins. I think Hopkins is, he's going to move up. I just don't know how far he's going to move up. That's kind of how I feel right now with DK. I, I think that he's the one guy that you're probably wrong on because I, I don't know what the Seattle offense – you can't feed all those mouths. I mean, there's five legit mouths that you can throw the football to unless they're throwing the ball 50 times a game, and that's that's kind of Seattle's um, game plan. And maybe, maybe it makes sense. But I guess another thing that kind of worries me with Pete Carroll is that he likes new flashy things. He has no problem plugging them in immediately to a lineup and, and just letting those things run. We saw him do that with Russell Wilson. We saw him do that with Geno Smith. He may do the same thing here with Jackson Smith being a new wide receiver coming in. So one of these guys are going to get not fed enough. That That's kind of where, kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to touch on that, but that's kind of where I'm at. No, I mean, I hear you on that. There have been a few instances in the past where, in the last 10 years, teams have supported three viable fantasy wide receivers. And I think I'm encouraged by the fact that Geno Smith was uh, number nine overall in passing attempts last season, number eight in passing yards, number four in the league in passing touchdowns, only behind Mahomes, Burrow, and Josh Allen. And those those things could grow in, it, in his second year as the full-time starter there. Um, I think, if anything, Jackson Smith and Jigba, it's already been reported that when they are in two receiver sets and not three receiver sets, that it could be Smith and Jigba who's left off the field. Although when he's on the field, he'll still probably be targeted at a high rate. I also think that when it comes to the tight end in Noah Fant, 
I think he's probably going to be the one left out more than anything. So I think you can support three viable pass catchers in an offense. I don't think the tight end is going to be as viable as many people think, especially because they split playing time between those guys last year, even behind Noah Fant, guys like Will Disley, Colby Parkinson, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm betting on the athletic talent and potential that Lockett's getting a year older. I still like him a lot. I, I was, he's one of the guys I'm highest on this year. We'll get into him in the next year. But uh, I'm, I'm betting on that year three, year four wide receiver breakout for Metcalf. When you look at the one the one positive that I take, uh, once Geno Smith started to hit his stride in the second half of last season, DK Metcalf, was he was wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game, right? So I have him right now as 11. So taking a you know, a logical progression forward. But what I like about that stretch between weeks nine to 17 last year is that he out-targeted Tyler Lockett 71 to 49 overall. And Tyler Lockett was pretty much fully healthy. So you're talking about a significant target differential between DK and Lockett. Um, again, like I, I think that I'm going to bet on the talent in this situation. The offensive scheme is there. The quarterback skill is there for the deep ball, especially with DK. Um, but, you know, I agree with you. One of them could bust in terms of ADP. If one of them busts and it's not just the tight end, I would probably bet it's going to be the rookie more than anything, especially in that Pete Carroll-led uh, team right there. You know what's crazy, man? I, I was going through – I don't know. I think it was week one college football the other day, and I was looking at the amount of talent that Ohio State has put out wide receiver-wise. It's just an absolute like wide receiver distribution factory. It's crazy the amount of talent that they've put out in the wide receiver position. And they have, might have one of their best wide receivers ever um, coming out with Harris. And it's just it's just insane the amount of talent that they have. Now, here's a team that has some talent, Chris, and a lot of people probably have questions with this one. I think, obviously, you're the guy to go ahead and talk to. So San Francisco kind of has some issues right now on their offense outside of, let's just say, Christian McCaffrey. Nobody knows where to draft Debo. Nobody knows where to draft Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I don't even think anybody even knows who's going to quarterback this team or who should, or maybe there should be quarterbacks that are on this team that shouldn't be on, on this team, um, however you want to go ahead and word it. But – it seems like San Fran has a lot of question marks. Even Kittle um, is being drafted, you know, kind of lower than he's ever been. I'm hearing people say that they don't even want any part of him. And then other people are saying that that he, he's going to become a steal. So I'm curious where, because you have in your tier three, 19, 20, you have Samuel Ayuk. If you had to favor one over the other, who are you looking at? I put them together because we, we saw a very similar workload go each of those guys way, especially the more that that, that Brock Purdy got integrated uh, into that offense there. I mean, you, you look at their stats for the second half of the season, Brandon Ayuk finished with more fantasy points per game than Debo did in the second half of last season, but there's a massive gap in ADP. Debo Samuel, based off his name alone, he's getting drafted right now as the 16th wide receiver off the board in half PPR scoring, you got to go all the way down to wide receiver 29. So you don't have to take Brandon Ayuk ahead of Debo. That's not what we're talking about here. If you've been listening to our shows, that's the number one thing I'll harp on more than anything is ADP value, average draft position value. It's just like price shopping with betting. You don't want to rely on one sports book to make all your bets. You want to try to get the best best number no, ma no matter what you're doing. Each sports book that we bet at is like each player's stock in a sense when it comes to our fantasy draft. So 
yeah, I'd like Brandon Ayuk more based on the price. Uh, projection, Projections-wise, I had them very similar, which is why I had them ranked close together, which means at the end of the day, I'm probably slightly lower on Debo than the market, and I'm considerably higher on Ayuk than the market as it stands right now. All right. Um, I've been trying to avoid those guys for the most part, and a lot of that comes down to Brock Purdy. Is I don't, I don't believe he's going to be a, a starting quarterback in this league for very long. That's just my personal opinion. But the one thing that I do know, and this worries me about these two guys, is you have Kyle Shanahan who's running primarily like a running first offense, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of love Christian McCaffrey this year. But you have to worry, like, how do these guys start the season out? If Brock Purdy doesn't necessarily work out, and it's like people are just assuming that he's going to be fine. He had a pretty nasty elbow injury. Are they going to let him go out there and sling the ball 40 times a game to go and start out the season? Uh, God forbid he doesn't look good, and San Francisco starts to fall in a hole, and everybody starts screaming for Trey Lance or this one or that one. I think they look to run the ball early and often in the beginning of the year, let the defense go ahead and do the work, let Purdy go ahead and get comfortable, and then figure out you know, how to go ahead and move the ball down the field throwing it. I don't think we're going to see an excessive passing game here with San Fran. So even though you have them in your tier three, I don't have a problem with that. It's just I'm more or less I'm just afraid to kind of take these guys because I don't know who the number one's going to be. I don't know how much they're going to get used you know, in the beginning of the year. So those two guys, um, no problem where they're at, but not looking to go ahead and, and touch them. You have DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen. DJ Moore is interesting to me, Chris. I think Chicago actually has a half-decent offense this year. You have Khalil Herbert, Justin Fields. Uh, you got Claypool. You got Darnell Mooney coming back. Now you have DJ Moore. A lot of people move DJ Moore up. I kind of feel the same here uh, with DJ Moore that I felt with kind of like San Francisco, like there's a lot of options, a lot of mouths to feed. Same thing with kind of like um, with Seattle. There's a lot of mouths to feed there too, especially at the wide receiver position. I think you have him a little bit too high, but do you think that he's clearly going to be the number one wide receiver? Because that's kind of what everybody thinks. And I'm not necessarily sure, like how much does Fields like Claypool? Did he, uh, it's not like he was out there slinging the ball around. I don't even know if he found his favorite receiver. So we're just assuming it's going to be DJ Moore. I actually think that there's a chance that it could be Darnell Mooney. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So you can talk to me in the DJ more a little bit more, but I see you have him rather high. I don't know if I would take him there. Well, uh, I want to be in line with the market on DJ more. I mean, reports out of camp are that him and Justin, Justin Fields are basically best friends. Now they're completely riffing. And I think those types of reports are, can, can hold meaning for us in fantasy when we know which quarterbacks and wide receivers have, solid relationships with each other, which ones can get through adversity together. As much as we uh, talked about the controversy during the offseason between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, uh, they eventually made up because they've had that strong bond ever since Stephon Diggs went to Buffalo. And, that, that you know, I think you can attribute a lot of that last year with Diggs to Josh Allen's elbow injury as well. So I bring that up because it's a similar type of dynamic that's now developing where DJ Moore's always been a special talent in this league. He's always been playing with extremely low talent at quarterback, which has always held him back. I mean, you look at the numbers he's been able to put up in his career uh, before last season in Carolina, where, you know, it, it was just a complete disaster and fire sale there. He had three straight seasons of 1,100 plus receiving yards 
And the only thing, Sleepy, as you remember, we talked about this a lot with our touchdown props. The only thing DJ Moore was missing in those years, year two, three, four, was the touchdowns, right? He scored four touchdowns every season in those three years. And then last year, the, the yardage was down, but he scored seven touchdowns. He scored seven touchdowns for a pretty bad team. I think going to an offense like this, Fields can – we know Fields is going to run a lot. We talked about that a lot in our fantasy quarterback episode. But we also know that he, uh, running quarterbacks can still support at least one or two pass catchers in fantasy in their offense, especially at wide receiver. And, and I think that more is due for one of those years between 2019 and 2021 where he's getting you close to 1,200 yards, but he's also scoring seven, eight touchdowns. And if he does that, he's going to finish like borderline top 12, maybe even top 10. So I think the ceiling case is there for more. I've got a wide receiver 21. I don't think that's necessarily all that high. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I could see their concerns – Claypool, I don't even think is a factor. I think Claypool could lose some snaps even as the third. I don't even think Claypool has the third receiver spot in that offense locked up yet. Mm -hmm. uh, Mooney, Mooney's coming back from a pretty serious injury. Mooney is pretty undersized. I don't think he's ever been able to earn targets at a high level as the number one receiver. But if you have Mooney trying to beat people down the field on the outside, I think it's going to open up a lot for DJ Moore uh, on the short to intermediate areas of the field. So that's how I view that wide receiver room right now. Uh, as, as much as uh, Bears fans that we know still stand up for the fact that the Bears gave up a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, one of the worst trades in the last five years of the NFL, uh, <clears throat> Gene, uh, mean Gene, excuse me. Uh, so, no, I mean, I'm just all kidding aside, I, I think that Moore's the clear number one, Mooney's the clear number two, and there could be a complete rotation at three. The rookie Tyler Scott from Cincinnati has shown a lot of talent and promise coming in as, as, a, as a potential slot receiver for them too. So I like more in best ball. I love getting fields in round five and then coming back or the round before and drafting DJ Moore and you have that stack right there. You don't have to do that in season long, but I think they both have good upside there. I think the one thing that might actually aggravate me about DJ Moore more than anything he was a great DFS option. His price was always like right where you wanted it to be. You never felt like you were overpaying for him. And maybe that's a little bit why I'm salty because I know I'm enough to overpay for a guy that I would use kind of, you know, I used him more than, more than, more than enough. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I think that the, the other guy that we probably don't want to leave out of that offense is probably Cole Komet. He could end up being the team's second or third pass catcher easily. So, uh, yeah. I don't want to leave him out either. Chris, if you want to go ahead and you want to touch on anybody from 22 down to um, 30, which is going to be the, the rest of your tier three, there's a lot of names in there, a lot of guys that I've been drafting, a lot of guys that I'd like. Um, I think Amari Cooper could be a big hit this year. I'm surprised you have Mike Evans in front of Godwin. Do you want to explain that one? I mean, Mike Evans has just been a, a bastion of consistency at the wide receiver position, no matter who's been throwing him the ball. So I, I had them close enough, 25 for Evans, uh, 29 for Godwin. Evans has more touchdown uh, equity than Godwin does in terms of his role in the red zone. Uh, we've seen Baker Mayfield lock on to uh, number one receivers in the past, and I think Evans could be his guy. I, I think they both could have solid seasons uh, – Nonetheless, even even with lesser, even if Kyle Trask winds up starting for them, I still think Evans and Godwin can be viable third wide receivers for your team, flex options for your team. I wouldn't like them to be my second 
wide receiver. I, I just want to touch real quick because I, I did do a, feature, a featured guest write-up that I'm going to post on our website for fantasypros.com where we talked, talked about two of our favorite receivers uh, compared to ADP in the top uh, 30 and the top 40. And the reason I want to bring that up is because that's this tier specifically here. Uh, and the two guys that I mentioned, uh, I'll say at first, well, one's in this tier, one's in the next tier. Tyler Lockett, I just want to touch on that because I did mention that I like DK Metcalf a lot. But you look at what Tyler Lockett did in the second half of last year. He finished as the wide receiver 11 in fantasy points per game. He's coming off a career best season. He's the healthiest he's ever been. Uh, the Seahawks were top seven in neutral uh, neutral pace pass rate last year. So they're throwing the ball a ton, even when games are close. And he's not the sexiest a name, but uh, he's going off the board. Lockett is as wide receiver 27. I think that's a complete overreaction to the Seahawks drafting this, the flashy, talented rookie out of Ohio State. So again, opposing defenses, they're going to focus on Metcalf. They're going to focus on the rookie in Jigba. You know, the 30-year-old the aging Lockett, I don't really think 30 years old is that old for a receiver in this league. For running back, it is, of course. But I think ADP value-wise, I like Metcalf the most to finish the highest of this group. But in terms of ADP value, I think the highest gap in reality versus ADP is, is Lockett by far. So I, I really like Lockett a lot uh, at, the, at the range that he's going right now. Another guy I talked about uh, on a previous podcast I did – with, with Tony Cavallo is I like Mike Williams a lot and, and big Mike Williams, I think is due to take uh, the, the next step as like the number one target for Justin Herbert. A lot of reports out of camp are that Mike Williams is no longer just running the outside routes that they're running him in the slot. And with his size and athleticism in that spot, if they're kicking Keenan Allen out of the slot and letting big Mike get those layup, easy type of targets, he's going to be an absolute smash if he stays healthy overall. I mean, you look at some of the things, that he did last year. Unfortunately, that back injury caused him to be a little in and out of the lineup, but he's had a lot of time to heal from that. Just look at the first seven game, uh, the first seven weeks of the season, Sleepy. Uh, two of those games he left early, and the other three games, you're talking about uh, 10 targets, eight catches, 113 yards. 11 targets, seven catches, 120 yards. 13 targets, 10 catches, 134 yards. And he, and he did it again towards the end of the season in week 14. Uh, 116 yards and a touchdown. So when he's healthy and he's right, and Herbert's going to be healthier this year as well, new OC in town, Keenan Allen's another year older, and they have the rookie Quinton Johnson, which again could take some pressure off of Mike Williams. Uh, I really like Mike Williams a lot. I've got him 10 spots ahead of ADP at wide receiver 18. He's getting drafted as a 28th wide receiver off the board. So I think in this tier alone, my favorite player uh, in that type of vacuum is Mike Williams in tier three. All right. The, I would say maybe one of the biggest issues I have right now, and you can talk to me about how you feel with Drake London. I really like this kid. I get it. The quarterback didn't look great last year, but you're bringing this kid in and, and at the end of the year when you're a failing team and he doesn't look good passing, he doesn't look good running. Uh, people were beating up uh, Deshaun Watson with the same thing. You bring him in in the middle of the winter. But Drake London is easily this team's number one wide receiver. Yeah. Matt Collins, how many teams does he start for? Yeah. Honestly, Scotty Miller was almost out of football. Like That's his competition. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is the competition. And Kyle Pitts is hurt right now. Right. So I think Drake London, he could finish in the top 15. 
just yeah. because he's going to be the number one. And if you look at what he did last year, especially towards the end of the year with Ritter, it's not like his numbers fell off. They actually increased slightly. So he's clearly the number one for Atlanta. And now that you have a legit running back threat that, that's going to uh, you know, put more pressure on the defenses, I think Drake London could be the steal. I might have more shares of him out of any wide receiver, especially in like this tier three range, than any other guy. Because he – I don't – it's Mac Collins and Scotty Miller. Like, it's not like you have a, a Tyler Lockett and a, and a Jackson Smith out there, or uh, let's just say like a Claypool and a Mooney. Like, he's the only game in town. Those other guys, I mean, they might not even be on the team at the end of the year. So he's clearly one guy that you have, like, in Tier 3 all the way down the bottom, almost going into Tier 4. I would actually consider even putting him at the top of Tier 3 just because there's not a lot of um, – there's just not a lot of competition – and we have a rookie quarterback that if he's working with anything within his passing game, is he really out there working with Matt Collins? No. He's working with the number one wide receiver on the team. And now he's probably getting more reps because, as you mentioned, Kyle Pitts is going down. So um, it's not that I'm pleading with you to move this guy up, but I think you need to come up with a, a pretty good explanation on, on why you won't move him up. Because I, I think I think if there's one guy you're going to be wrong on, Drake London's not going to finish – 30 or, or 30th or worse with these wide receivers this year. Yeah, he, he's getting drafted as the 25th wide receiver off the board. I agree with you. The upside case is there uh, in this tier. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I, I've been warming up to the idea. Like I, I've gotten about like 40 best ball drafts done in the last month. And I'm starting to realize like, who have I not taken at all? Mm -hmm. And he's been a guy I've been passing on because of like, you just think of Desmond Ritter. You're like, Oh my God, I don't want a receiver. That's, trying to catch passes from Desmond Ritter. Uh, but one thing you could think about as a bull case is like Desmond Ritter's not locked in as a starter for the year, man. Like what if Desmond Ritter gets benched mm -hmm. and Taylor Heineke comes in? Like Heineke might not be consistent, but he can sling it. Yeah. And Heineke, if he becomes a starter at some point or if Ritter gets hurt running the ball, then you're talking about, I agree, London could be like a locked in top 10 to 15 option. So uh you know, he's a very talented guy in, in another offense. Like, we'd probably be talking about him right around wide receiver 10, like we are with Garrett Wilson going into his second year. So, uh, I, I moved him up two spots just now. I've got him, like, right behind Christian Watson, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin. Like, those are all guys who are, like, the number one receiver for their team, but the quarterback play is suspect. So, right. that's kind of like that range right there where I'm trying to figure out how high can I move London up. Can I move him past ADP? I don't know. I, I kind of want to based off his talent alone, but the surrounding environment is what's keeping me off that right now. All right. Um, I don't want to talk about Christian Watson. I think he's going to be, um, I mean, I'm not being harsh against my team, but you are bringing in a new quarterback and people are just like assuming like this kid's going to be like the best wide receiver that they have. And I know he flashed last year, especially at the end of the year, like he helped a lot of fantasy teams. He actually helped helped one of the fantasy teams I was in win the championship. So um, obviously grateful for him, but I'm not sure that he's going to be any better than than Godwin or any better than Drake London. That's just kind of where I'm at. I hope that he is. Obviously, that's my team. Anyway, let's go. Let's get into tier four here, Chris. You have a you have a lot of guys in here. I mean, you're you're looking at probably like 20 plus guys. If you want to go ahead and you want to take control here and, and rip and run down down your list here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be all ears open here. Yeah. I want to talk about, uh, 
Brandon Cooks. And there aren't too many wide receivers. I wrote about this in my, in my Fantasy Pros article that there aren't too many receivers who have six 1,000-plus-yard seasons already to their name in the last eight years. Six out of the, the last eight years since 2015, Brandon Cooks has put up 1,000-plus-yard seasons. You know, yeah, last year there was some drama. He was, like, reportedly quitting on the team, but then he came back at the end of the year. He's only 29. That, that's not old for a wide receiver, and he's entering possibly one of the most pass-happiest offenses in the league. He's going to be locked into a role, into that wide receiver two boundary role. It's going to be Lamb. It's going to be Cooks. And it's going to be Gallup. Like, those guys are there. There's no Schultz there taking up tar targets in the middle like we talked about, which is why we like Lamb a little more than the consensus right now. So, you just think about Dalton Schultz leaving. Like, that's 89 targets that Schultz got last year. They're not all going to go to Lamb. Like, they're mm -hmm. going to go to Cooks. They're going to go to Gallup. Uh, they're going to go to Pollard, obviously, too, which is why I like Pollard a lot at running back. Uh, and the average depth of target, if you give, you know, 20, 25 of those extra targets from Schultz to Brandon Cooks, like those targets are coming deep down the field. And with all those weapons around, like defenses won't be able to solely focus on Cooks on the outside. So I, I think you even look at what Cooks did. Uh, he's getting drafted as the 39th wide receiver off the board right now, uh, which is, it's just impossible. Like even with Davis Mills, he was still in, in that like uh, late teens, the 20s round in uh in fantasy uh in fantasy points per game so i i think that at his current adp he could be a, an upside wide receiver two for you but at the very least it could be a wide receiver three upside type of flex option which is why i like him and gallup as well i put gallup in the same tier because i don't think gallup was fully healthy last year he and his teammates admitted that but he's got another year to rehab under his belt and it seems like he at reports say that he's fully healthy right now so in terms of all those guys, like, you know, that's the offense I want to attach. Uh, I want to put my chips on is the Cowboys offense. And it, it can't all go to Lamb and Pollard. It's got to go elsewhere. And I think Cooks and Gallup are in line to exceed their ADPs uh, by a pretty big margin right now. Do you think that Dak potentially could lead the league in like uh, air yards per target? Because I have a feeling like that's this offense is going to look like this just – bomb it down the field with because i mean cooks is a deep threat guy right i mean so is Gallup, and even cd lamb has shown like he'll go deep too i have a feeling like Dak might actually surprise some people with his long range game this year and i don't know if there's any bets that we could pull out of that potentially um you might see a lot of flags you know dallas yeah. might get the benefit of a of a lot of like you know a lot of uh heavy yardage flags this year but you think there's a chance that Dak could could be like the the leading guy when it comes to air yards per target. I, I don't think he'll be. The, I don't think it's in Dak's nature to do that. Uh, so I wouldn't say that. But I think with no Schultz there, it's going to lead to more. Uh, you know, probably more interceptions. Yeah, I think. that's a good one. Be, So I, I think that interceptions yes. somewhere. There's already been multiple highlight reels on you on Twitter showing him getting intercepted multiple times in practice just over the last couple of weeks. That's the wager. So let me interrupt. If you guys are looking for a good wager, I haven't looked at it yet, but Chris just pointed out exactly the wager we're supposed to make with my thinking is you should be looking at Dak interception. So good job. That's, yeah. that's and, and just last, last thing on cooks in this range, it kind of goes for Gallup too, but in 2020 and 2021, before the whole debacle last season, he was wide receiver 18 in fantasy points per game wide receiver 19 and that was with Davis Mills so he's going from Davis Mills to Dak Prescott like even if Cooks finishes wide receiver 18 and he's being drafted as wide receiver 39 
that's a massive bargain in the middle round. So that that's why I really like Brandon Cooks a lot in this range. What about the Baltimore receiver? So we know Bateman's coming back. I picked him up, Chris, and then he ended up blowing up my one of my leagues. So I was like, I'm I'm not touching that guy again. Zay Flowers getting a lot of a lot of talk right now. And I'm I'm thinking maybe Lamar might I don't want to say he's gonna turn into just a passing quarterback, but you don't want to jeopardize your, your, the future of the franchise having him out there running around all the time the way that he does. I think he becomes more of a pocket passer this year. It's not like Lamar can't throw. I mean, the dude's got a pretty good arm. You you kind of favor Zay Flowers right now. I'm yeah. struggling to even touch Bateman just based on on bias and past experiences with him. Yeah. What are you seeing from Zay Flowers that you like? Because he's a guy that I haven't taken, but recently starting to think about maybe I need to get – get a couple shares of this guy because he could be the number one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think he could. I, I just want to, I got to pull this up on my phone right now, but my, my best ball exposures uh, on underdog right now, uh, I have, uh, I have more exposure on Zay flowers than any wide receiver in fantasy. In wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's because of the price tag. It's like, you can almost get him, you know, in those middle rounds. And he has the upside and the athleticism to finish much higher than where he's getting drafted. I love the fact that Todd Monken, you know, founder of the air raid offense, like he's going to be running things in Baltimore. And a lot of conversations been around Lamar throwing the ball a lot more too. There's been a lot of chemistry already between Zay Jones, Zay Zay Flowers and Lamar Jackson in practice as well. You look at like a couple stats. I like to look at this for rookies, playerprofiler.com does a great job of this. Uh, Zay Flowers, 94th percentile in college dominator rating. So how he was able to dominate opposing defenses with production, uh, efficiency, as well as volume, earning targets. He was also at a 29.6 college target share percentage. That's an 89th percentile right there. So 40-yard dash, 88th percentile. This guy's got the speed to make big plays, and I think he fits well with how Lamar Jackson likes to throw the ball and not just running deep routes down the sideline. So Bateman, Bateman's injury health, questionable at best. Odell Beckham at this point in his career, love what he did early in his career, but questionable health at best as well. Zay Flowers is the one constant. Him and Mark Andrews could wind up eating up most of Lamar Jackson's targets this season. So I, I love – Zay Flowers has moved up a lot in ADP, right? So, like, I'm still trying to be bullish on Zay Flowers, which is why I still have him 12 spots ahead of market. I don't think wide receiver 35 – is that crazy for Zay Flowers, but he's getting taken as the 47th receiver off the board. I think that's way too low still. All right. I want to talk about two wide receivers that are going to be in the same division here. Tell me how you feel. So let's talk Nico Collins. Let's talk Michael Pittman Jr. I like Pittman. He was really good to me in fantasy, so I'm more likely, you know, looking to go ahead and pick him up again. But I keep looking for these Houston wide receivers. I've even taken some Mechie kind of late because I think that this Houston team, they're just going to be so far behind because the defense is that bad that I'm going to get a lot of targets um, with a guy like Nico Collins and like a guy like, like Mechie. So I I'm having no problem drafting those guys, but I'm curious why a lot of people are down on Pittman. Is he like not the team's number one receiver anymore? Or is it just because of the quarterback? Because even if there's a quarterback out there, that's brand new, a rookie, he's going to find the best talent. He's going to be like, this is the guy I just need to get the ball to. And Pittman has shown like he could, he could easily be a top 15 wide receiver. So 
Um, yeah. I guess I'm against the market right right now with Pittman. Like if Pittman if Pittman's there and, and he's and I'm maybe overdrafting him, I, I kind of don't have a problem doing that because I know that his ceiling is just it's so high. So if you want to talk a little on Houston and, and Pittman, go for it. I think it's just because Anthony Richardson, he's he's going to be so raw as a passer. And we love him because he's going to run a ton, right? And he's going to throw the ball deep. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, but Michael Pittman doesn't run those deep routes, and that kind of concerns me. I think, if anything, maybe like a guy like Alec Pierce could be in, in line for like a semi-breakout sleeper type of season. He's a ta- talented receiver himself going into his second year. Michael Pittman's more of like that possession, move the chains type of receiver I didn't even really like the volume that Pittman was getting towards the end of last season uh, to close out the year. I think he only had uh, four games all season to earn double-digit targets, and that was with traditional dropback passers at the beginning of the year, like Matt Ryan, uh, before he got benched. And obviously, you know, the Sam Ellinger thing was a complete disaster anyways. But I don't know. <laughs> with, with Pittman there, like, yes, he's a, he's a talent, but it's because, you know, look, like, this is why I rank Pittman the way he is now. I don't think Pittman's going to finish as the 51st receiver in fantasy. Why I put him there is because if he slips in a draft and he, and he slips down to like wide receiver 40, wide receiver 45, I'd rather take more upside guys in better offensive environments like Jordan Addison in Minnesota, Jamison Williams in Detroit, uh, Jahan Dotson in, entering his second year, the rookie Marvin Mims in Denver, the rookie Jonathan Mingo. Like, I like the unknown in this range, the unexpected. I want to bet on athleticism. I want to bet on talent. I want to bet on offensive environment first and foremost, and I really don't like the offensive environment. I love Anthony Richardson. He's the only guy I love in Indianapolis for fantasy, and that's because of, because of the, the nature of who he is and what he's going to do on the field. So I put Michael Pittman at the top of this tier because, yes, he is their number one receiver. That's that's true, but it's still not enough for me to take take him, even if he falls to me in drafts. That's why I have him 20 full spots below uh, ADP right now. All right. Well, we're approaching almost an hour here, so I want to wrap this up in the next couple minutes, but I can't let you get off the hook there, Chris, without telling us what you think of the wide receiver room in Kansas City. It's an absolute mess. I think yeah. that this is going to be – one of the worst receiver rooms in the league when you talk just talent-wise. Mahomes is going to go out there and do what Mahomes does. Dude's a baller. We know that. But everybody's kind of confused on if it's Sky Moore, if it's Kadarius Toney, uh, if it's Valdez Scantling. We know Kelsey's going to get the ball. We know that. But who's the number one wide receiver? Who's the number two? Have you figured that out? I don't want anything to do with any of these guys. You got Rashid Rice, too, as well. It's a mess. I'm not taking any of these guys. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I actually uh, – I want to take my shots on the, the, on the rookie second-year potential breakouts, right? Uh, and in terms of ADP right now overall – let me just make sure nothing updates since the last time. But So Rasheed Rice is going as the 63rd receiver off the board. Sky Moore is going as the 52nd. So you can get a 12-pick discount in terms of ADP – on Rasheed Rice versus Sky Moore, uh, Valdez Scantling's going as the 76th receiver off the board. I think he's a good best ball pick because when he does pop for a long touchdown, it's going to enter your lineup, but he's not a guy you want to rely on in season-long fantasy. And then Kadarius Tony, he's going actually, I think, the highest still right now 
in drafts around wide receiver 42 because he's starting to get healthier again. But he's shown a real inability to not be able to stay on the field for even a couple weeks at a time in a row over the last few seasons. So if I had to take one at versus ADP costs, uh, I actually kind of like Rasheed Rice as a prospect, man. You know, he didn't go to the biggest school in the world, but 95th percentile burst score, 96th percentile college target share. This guy had a 33% plus college target share. So he was earning targets at a very high level. Uh, Sky Moore, similar numbers when he was in college, but Sky Moore is a different profile. You know, he, he's two inches shorter. He's about 15 pounds or 10 pounds lighter than Rasheed Rice. He's more of that slot gadgety type of guy. Rasheed Rice can actually be like a solid X type of receiver for you. So I think it'll take a while for him to like really burst on the scene, but we kind of saw what Sky Moore did last year. I think he could be a solid slot guy for Mahomes, but I'd rather bet on the upside and the unknown. If Rasheed Rice, you know, eight weeks into the season, he's at the end of our bench. He's not doing anything in the standard redraft league. You can drop him to waivers. It's no big deal. Or maybe even drop him sooner than that. If he comes out weeks one and two, all, all of a sudden he's not even on the field. He's not running routes. That's the things I like to look for is like, how, how many routes are you running? Then on top of that, how many targets are you getting on top of the routes? Uh, so it's a hodgepodge. If anyone says they know uh, who's going to be the number one, they're lying because nobody knows. I don't even think Mahomes knows. So let me just take the biggest discount in drafts the, out of those three, Tony, Moore, and Rice. And then MVS for me is like best ball DFS only. All right. Uh, and you always have the injury factor too, right? So if you, if you run out there and you take Rice and you have him sitting there, you know, he could turn into quickly a number three or a number two overnight. And now you got to steal, especially with a guy like Mahomes in your back pocket. So, um, yeah, that, that, that room's a mess there, that wide receiver room. I feel the same way about the Giants. Um, and I know that you guys, a lot of Giants fans out there probably want to go ahead and, and maybe ask Chris some questions. But we're running late. I got to wrap up here, Chris. Uh, so we went through like the top 40, 50 guys. If you guys have any questions, any anything else more, or maybe Chris and I can go ahead and maybe we could talk a little bit more wide receivers when we get into doing to the tight ends and stuff like that. I'm sure we'll kind of you know, go ahead and talk yeah. a little bit about some of them guys. Maybe we can go ahead because, you know, you're talking wide receiver two, wide receiver three. You got to talk basically like what, Chris, like the top 90 wide receivers are they're, they're going to catch football. So maybe we'll go ahead. We'll circle back around, wrap up a little bit with uh, the remaining players that you guys might be wanting to talk about a little bit, but, Make sure you check us out on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mad Journalist. Uh, message us if you guys have got questions or anything like that. Check us out at thebettingpredators.com. Again, NFL season package is up. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Get ready for the Discord. That's going to be lit uh, this entire football season. That's that's a lot of fun. Uh, instant alerts from Chris, myself, Steve, Mean Gene, everybody here at thebettingpredators.com. Uh, with that said, I'd like to wish you guys uh, a good weekend. Hopefully you guys do well. Careful betting in preseason games. And uh, do have to give Chris a big five-star thumbs up uh, for finding out the Dak Prescott interception prop. I'm telling you, that is a good prop. I thought you were betting it, not looking up some uh, – I don't know what you were looking up. But I, I'm like, he's over there betting the, the I, Dak Prescott prop. But well, excellent prop. I, I, do, I do live in Pennsylvania now. I'm no longer in Florida betting on offshore European books. So uh, definitely going to have to look for that one right now. Well, I'll turn you into a degenerate overnight, so we're all good. With that said, wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe.